Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. Father, even as we come now to the meditation of your word, speak to our hearts. Father, strengthen us, O Lord. It's the word of the Lord which gives us strength. It's the nourishment of the word of God. And the willingness to do your will that brings strength into our lives. When we do your will, O Lord, is when we become spiritually strong. Because you said, O Lord, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish the work that he has asked me to finish. Therefore, this morning, Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, speak to us, strengthen us. Even as we receive your word by faith, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us and make the word relevant to every situation because it's the anointing that teaches us all things. The anointing which takes, takes what is of God and makes it relevant to every situation that we are going through. And therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch us and anoint us even in the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, one of the things uh, we've been looking at is uh, the fact that one of the most difficult struggles for a believer at different levels is a struggle with obedience. <clears throat> we are our, reluct, uh, our um, reluctance to change. Change does not come easily. The uh, um, Bible says uh, the new wine has to be poured into new bottles. But even when you drink the new wine, we say the old was <laughs> tasty. <laughs> That's our nature. Um, but even as we obey, there are several benefits. And one of the things that I want to look at, the benefits of obedience. Obedience helps us to overcome deception. That is what we are looking at today. How to overcome or escape deception. In Matthew chapter 24, this is what... Um, Jesus, uh, when um, the disciples of Jesus come to him and privately ask him certain things, this is what he says to them. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3 onwards. few verses. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Uh, it's a very important truth for all of us. We need to have a private time with God. Privately. It's reiterating over and over again. Problem is we know it, but we don't do it. We don't have that personal, personal, private time with God when we pour out our hearts before God. It's very interesting that Jesus, when he came in the, in the flesh, it says, even in the days of the flesh, with loud cries and tears, he prayed unto the Father. And because of his godly fear, he was heard. And then he says, though he was a son, what did he do? He learned something, something. What did he learn? Obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay, so he had a private time with God. Morning by morning, he uh, wakened him up. And those little, little things matter. Those private moments with God, every day he was woken up. And those little things ultimately prepared him for the ultimate test, which is the, the test on the cross. He was able to give his back to those who beat him and his face to those who spit upon him. It's interesting that Isaiah talks about those two passages simultaneously, I mean, one after the other. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 says, morning by morning you wakened me up, you gave me the tongue of the instructed, and you gave me the ear of a disciple. And then it says, 
I gave my back to those who hurt me and my face to those who spat upon me. And that is the ultimate test. I mean, therefore, those little, little private movements, those interactions with God, those interchanges with God, the transactions that we, got, that we have with God on a daily basis, every day of our lives, becomes paramount. That is just an aside, okay? So we have to ensure that we, I mean, because it's a practice and it's, it's something which we learn even as we practice even more. All right. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? end of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. The word, we'll come to what deceive, deceive means a little, a little later, but just let's read a few passages, a few verses. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs or sorrows. Then you will, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and again deceive many. You see that? Word coming again. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. So on. Verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to, to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. The word for dece- deceive is very interesting. It's... Uh, it means to be led astray. And why do people, uh, uh, another translation is to err, to err, to err, to be led astray or to err, or to deviate from the path. And the path, when you deviate from the path, it is very subtle in the beginning. It's very minimus, very minimal in the beginning. Okay. It's maybe by one degree, but over a period of time when you go, hmm, it's much, much, much more. Okay. So if you don't make course corrections regularly, that is the reason why we come, come constantly to the teaching of the word of God. Even as we see the day approaching, not forsaking the assembling of or gathering of one another, because the day is approaching so that we don't go astray. We don't err. Because there is in each one of us the, the capacity to err. Okay. To, to be led astray by various doctrines. Okay. It says, but doctrines of demons and and and, dece- and uh, deceiving spirits. So, the question is, why are we led astray? Fundamentally, why are we led astray? Jesus gives a very important reason as to why people, significant. I think well, that is possibly the fundamental as to why people are led astray. doesn't matter what you are. You are a child. You could be a teenager. You could be a middle-aged person. Or you could be, an, you could be in your old age. It doesn't matter. Everybody is susceptible to this. Okay, it's only, th- uh, what you need to understand is, we can all be led astray. So what is the antidote or, or the panacea, if you will? It is a panacea. It is one, one, uh, uh, what do you say, medicine, if you will, for overcoming deception. Jesus gives this reason. Why are people led astray? Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, you do err. Or you are led astray, not knowing the 
scriptures, nor the power of God. Now the word for nor is again added there in the, in the translation. You do not, you do not know two things. You do not know the scriptures, or you do not, and you also don't know the power of God. And these two have to go together. Because if you know the scriptures, and if you do not have the power of God, the scriptures will make you miserable. Okay. Alright. So you have to have these two. You need to have the knowledge of the scriptures, understanding of the scriptures, and the power of God to keep what the scriptures demand from us. Right? That is the reason why we come to the hearing of the word of God, so that when we receive the word of God by faith, we are filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power. The power. The word of God has got the power to work in those who, what? Believe. Right? Therefore, we need to know these two things. Scriptures and the power of God. Doesn't matter. So right from childhood, we teach them to understand scriptures. Whatever translation. Okay? So that you get into the habit of reading and understanding and knowing at least. So that that's there. It's, it goes into your deep most parts of your inner man. The consciousness. Right? Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. This is what, uh, what uh, Paul uh, tells about Timothy, commend, commending Tim, uh, Timothy about his childhood. This is what he says, right from f- uh, right from childhood, verse fifteen onwards. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, right from childhood. So, it's nobody is too young to know the scriptures, and it's easier to memorize scriptures when you're younger. And you don't memorize scriptures to show off; <laughs> you memorize scriptures because you need it. See, you will get one quiz, quiz competition prize uh, when you were in VBS. Okay. Memory competition, 119 you memorized, etc. How long are you going to show the certificate to everybody? Okay. I mean, even if you get a gold medal in Olympics, one year, that's it. After that, people will say, please, please don't show us. I mean, it's too tiring. Please put it away. The glory is fading. <laughs> so we don't memorize scripture because we want to show off our knowledge. We, mem- we memorize scriptures because we need it. And uh, let me tell you something. There is an assault on our minds in these last days. And if you are not conscious about this, about taking this deliberate action to, to, to know scriptures, and I'm, I'm not saying that we should memorize all, God will tell each one of you based upon your need and based upon your calling, based upon the, the kind of uh, struggles that you go through, what kind of scriptures that you need to memorize and speak out and proclaim. This book of the law shall not depart from where? From your mouth first. The confession and the meditation. Both have to go together. So it's easier for children to know uh, the scriptures when they're, chi- when, they're, when they're children. And they can learn different different languages. They'll be sh- you'll be shocked how Mallus learn English, uh, Telugu. They put all these Telugus to shame. I, I have one Malayali student in my class. I was teaching her, tel- her Telugu song. She's much, much better in her pronunciation than most... Uh, Albeit with a little tinge of uh, here and there, but uh, regardless, but they are able to do it. And when they are ch- when they are children, if you do not expose them to all kinds of other junk and let them and encourage them to memorize and stay on scripture, even if they say it's boring, let them do it. Memorize because so that you'll need it at one point of time. You will need it. Okay, and then it just comes into your consciousness, and you and you and you know it, and and you're able to fight, and you're able to uh, uh, you see your way through, find your way through through every challenge, because there is an assault on the mind. I mean, you cannot see the newspaper news and can not get angry. It's incredible. I mean, how you what do you want to do now? And uh, uh, that's the reason why I stopped watching news for for a long time. But recently, I started again because this, the truckers thing is going on, and all that happens to me when I watch is my blood boils. So. 
it's an assault on your mind. And I'm like, people can't see, people can't see this guy, this whatever this person is. A guy who needs a haircut. You know what I'm, I'm talking about, right? You see what he's saying? Now the Holy Scriptures, right from childhood you know knew it, which is able to make you what? Wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. And what is the content of scripture? What is the content of scripture? This is what he's talking about. He goes on to, uh, to, to, to ad- address this. What, the, what those scriptures contain? The, the composition, if you will, of scripture. This is what he says. All scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture. Including the New Testament. Of course, when Paul is talking about, he was not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. But first Peter chapter three, verse 17 and 18. Uh, sorry, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, when Peter says, you know, uh, uh, about this, our dear Apostle, brother Paul, not Apostle Paul, our bro- brother Paul has written many things, okay, which are some of those things are which, which are very hard to understand, which unstable men, what do they do? They twist it just as they do, what? Just as they do other scriptures. So what is he doing? He is equaling the writings of Paul to what? To scripture. So we have both. Yeah, yeah it's there. Uh, 17, yeah. Yes, yes. As they twist through their own destruction, destruction as they also do the rest of scripture. So there is scripture. So all scripture, including New Testament and Old Testament, is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed. It is given by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is a person of the Holy Spirit inspiring scripture. And what is it for? It is profitable. And you know one of the things? But our natural inclination is that if there is no profit, we don't do it. We always have to have a carrot dangling before us. It is one of the laws of learning. The five laws of learning. Dangle a carrot. And show it and never give it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on showing. Okay, I mean, because, uh, like, that's what parents say, you know. Vijay, 10th class, after you finish 10th class, you're a free man. Free bird! Really? That's a dangling of the carrot. And then, intermediate, plus one, plus two. Vijay, once you get engineering, life set. Yeah, okay, life set. Deception, I say. <laughs> that's a ca- the carrot is dangled. Oh, Vijay! Four years of engineering once you get into IIT. Life set. Another carrot. And till PhD, they kept on dangling the carrot. Nothing happened. <laughs> you see, so profitable. See, we don't do anything with, without, there is, unless we see profit. He says, it is profitable. What is it profitable for? It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now look at this. Now I just kind of paraphrase the whole thing into one sentence. I just wanted to share this with you. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 to 17. This is how I paraphrased it. The study of the scriptures produces faith in Christ Jesus. That is, in, that is the person. Okay. Therefore, it makes us wise unto salvation by showing us what is right, confronting us with what is not right, telling us how to get it right, and instructing us as to how to stay right. And by doing this, it makes us complete and equips us for all that God wants us to do. I just put it in one. This is Vijay Itakota version. There's a message. Uh, what's his name? Eugene Peterson also could write. If Eugene Peterson can write, I can also write. No? <laughs> you know why I'm saying that, right? Yes, yes, I know. You know. <laughs> Some of you know why I'm saying that. Makes us complete. Equips us for 
all that God wants us to do. So whatever be your calling, whatever be your calling, you're called to be a chauffeur engineer or a software engineer. Okay. Pastor, teacher, Sunday school teacher, worship leader, whatever be your calling, a student, whatever you are called to be, what does it do? The word of God, the study of scriptures produces faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. Makes us wise into salvation and that it shows us what is right, confronts us with what is wrong, shows us how to get it right and shows us how to stay right and makes us complete and equips us for everything that God has called us to do. Why? Why, 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 why? Why? Why is this important? Because if you look at this entire passage in a larger context, you will understand. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Three, uh, verse 13 to 15 onwards. But evil men and imposters, evil men and imposters, who are these? Enchanters, other translations will use the word, sorcerers, evil men and enchanters. I'm telling you honestly, my dear brothers and sisters, so much of an assault on the mind. You might, you, you also be, will be knowing, right? Suddenly in the middle of the day, you're depressed for no reason. There's an assault on your mind. There is an assault. I mean, everything is going well. It is not that you don't have a problem. I mean, you have problems in your family. For some reason, even if everything is fantastic, your wife has cooked the fantastic breakfast, she has sent you for the fantastic lunch, everything is perfect, but suddenly, something, there's an assault in the mind. Why? There is an environment. There is an, there's a spiritual atmosphere which is permeating and therefore, a believer has to be deliberate. He has to be what we call as... Uh, I forget that name. Intentional. Thank you so much. He has to be intentional. There has to be an intent. He has to commit himself. There is a warfare which is essentially going on in the mind. That is the reason why Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Because what is being attacked is the mind. And if you win it here, we win. Whatever the mind thinks, ultimately, is what we become. As a man thinketh in his heart. You know, it's very interesting, you know, where the, where the, where, where the verse, you know, that's actually Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, if I'm right. 23 verse 7, yeah. The, the, the larger context is very interesting. If he, he, he says, uh, verse, can you put verse 6? Verse 6 and 7. <laughs> Do not eat the bread of a miser. Not desire his delicacies. Miser is not just miser, is a, is a person who is, uh, who's having evil intentions. For as he thinks in his heart, so easy. What is he saying? Hey, eat, nice, nicely eat, eat. What, bounda, bounda, nice. What is he trying to do? He's trying to give you stuff which will attack your mind. Ultimately, it's food for thought. Okay. Well, not that's something which I don't want to go into. It's a totally different study. But what will happen if evil men and imposters will grow? Enchanters and sorcerers will grow worse and worse. That is the reason why the last uh, exhortation in the book of Revelation: He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. He who is unholy, let him be unholy still. But he who is holy, let him continue in his holiness. Be holy still. But you must, look at what he says, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Whom did, whom did you learn them from? From your mother and from your grandmother and from the holy scriptures which you were acquainted with right from childhood. So, 
What is, a pro- what, is, what is the first lesson that I in, 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 infer from this? It is only through the meditation of the scriptures will we come to know the person of Jesus Christ. It is only through the medita- meditation because he himself says, this is not Matthew chapter 24, uh, yeah, no, Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 will say, for many false Christs and false prophets will arise. Okay? And so what should you know? What should you do? What should you, do? you should know the holy scriptures which is able to make you wise in salvation through faith in who? So you need to know the person. It is a person, ultimately. It is a relationship with a person. It is a relationship with a person. And you know what? something? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will be deceived. It is not about the knowledge of the word of God. It is the knowledge about the person who the word of God talks about, ultimately. Hmm? Luke 24. And he said to them, Oh, you foolish ones, verse 25 onwards, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not to have, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, not once, few of scriptures, things concerning himself. You know, see that again, verse uh, 44. He said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law and of the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Law, law of Moses, prophets, Psalms. And he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So who does, what do the scriptures talk about? talks about the person of Jesus. So it is impossible to know the person of Jesus Christ unless and until you know the scriptures. Otherwise you will know somebody, some Jesus who is a figment of your, of your, of your imagination. 5, 39 and 34, John's Gospel, chapter 5. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. What? Scriptures testify of whom? Jesus. But you are not willing to come to me. So the second thing, the first thing you you will understand the person of Jesus Christ through the meditation of the scriptures, you get to know him better, you get to know that you can trust him, you know the person, the character of Jesus. If you were there uh, in the, the three-day revival meeting, no, uh, uh, Pastor was talking about the character of God, and He will not change. He's not a man that He should lie. He's an all-powerful God, and He loves you with an everlasting love. And therefore, He's able to do whatever He says that He will do for you. So you need to know the person. Second thing, that. The knowledge of the person has to be increasingly get corrected. You should, you should keep on correcting it. It should go from exact to more exact. What did I say? Ah. Did you understand? Exact to more exact. It is not perfect. Let me show you an example. I, this is what I wrote first. It is only through the meditations of the scriptures will we come to know the person of Jesus Christ more exactly. Go on from exact to more exact. Let me give you an example. Okay, this is Acts chapter 18. Now there was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, Kadu, full stop Kadu, and mighty in the scriptures who came to Ephesus. Right? This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught what? accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. You see, let me tell you something. If you do not know the scriptures, I cannot even correct you. 
I cannot even reason with you. I cannot reason. It's impossible. Because this man, he was, he, we could, they could reason with him. Because he knew the scriptures. And he was just not, he just did not know the scriptures. He was what? Mighty in scriptures. I like that word, no? I said, you know, one of the prayers that I say, Lord, Lord, make me what? Mighty in the scriptures. Mighty in the scriptures. Mighty in the scriptures. I mean, there is a logic that I want to learn. Because I'll tell you something. One of the most incredible things that I've learned from the Bible is, it is the most logical textbook I've ever read in my entire life. The most logical. I mean, it is the closest to mathematics. Or rather, mathematics is closest to the Bible. Okay, let me put it that way. <laughs> chi, chi, chi. I'm exalting math before. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will not make that mistake. Okay. You see, it is so logical. I mean, you should see the arguments of the Apostle Paul in the entire book of Romans. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Argument after argument, axiom after axiom, theorem after theorem, corollary after corollary. It's as if you're reading a maths, mathematics textbook. You know the you know what the word for axiom. You know what an axiom is, right? Two parallel lines will. Ah, that, ah, thank you so much. Yeah, they intersect at infinity. Huh, that is the exact statement. They never intersect. It is a what is that? Uh, level three math. Okay. So you know what he says? He says they although they knew that those who practice such things deserve death. You know the word for deserve. Come from, comes from the Greek word axio, from which we, which we get the word axiom, meaning what are axioms? They are statements which don't need proof. They're axioms. They're arguments. There's a fortiori logics. The most logical textbook I've seen is the book of Romans. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. And you read on, you'll read, I mean, you, you'll discover, every time you read, you'll discover a new truth. Okay, that is just besides the point. I'm just wetting your appetite to read the word of God. Okay, so he says he was instructed in the scriptures. That means, you know what? There were certain logics that the scriptures will put into your system. There are certain arguments that the scriptures will introduce into you based upon the characteristic characteristic of the person of God. Because God is like this, this is how he behaves. This is how he acts. This is how he does things. Because these attributes and these arguments are there in your mind when he shows you a more exact way you are able to correct them. I'll show you. Look at what what happens. So as he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, when Akila, Akila, okay, Akila, Akila is a male and Priscilla is a female, okay? Akila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way, read that, way of God, more, he was exact, now he has become what? more accurate. So what is happening? Let me tell you something. You are going from exact to more exact, exact to more exact, even as you study the scriptures, because the arguments are set in your mind. The categories have been established into your mind. Do you understand that? Therefore, if you do not know the scriptures, I can't even argue with you. I can't. Because you don't know the nature of God, that God doesn't change. His standards don't change. He is one perfect weight stone. He is called the stone. And the only choice that you have is to come and fall on that stone and break, be broken on the stone or one day the stone crushing you, the weight of God. That is the reason why many, many tekulu parsin, what does it say? You have been weighed and been found wanting in the balance. All you have is what? Unjust scales and balances. Keep that in mind. So, 
We need accuracy, precision. And what is happening, even as you meditate upon the scriptures and when pastor or somebody comes and teaches, you are able to reason. Oh, ho, ho, ho. This is what it means because I read it this morning. I read it this morning. This is what the Bible said. And because it's there in my mind and has come and reinforced the thought and actually shown me a deeper understanding as to what God actually means by a particular word. So this, therefore, the understanding of scriptures, be deliberate. If you have free time, you know what? Every time that you have, of, I mean, because many of us have free time. What you do in your free time determines your ultimate spiritual promotion. Why are people not being able to get promoted? Is because if, I think Derek uh, Prince who said, exchange the time that you spend on entertainment with the time you spend on the Bible. Your entertainment is different, Baba. Mm-hmm. So, you, I cannot argue with you. So, otherwise, you know what will happen? You'll get deceived. You'll get deceived. And when he desired to cross uh, to okay, the, the brethren, wrote exhorting the, deci- the disciples to receive him. So, what happened? This guy was taught. After that, they got, he got a recommendation letter from them. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. You see that? May the Lord birth apostles in our church, uh, not apostles, uh, apolosis in our church, who are mighty in the scriptures, who are not passive listeners. Another thing, Understanding the gospel is dependent upon our meditation of the scriptures. Why? Because where is the gospel? Hidden. It is not in the New Testament. It is there right in the Old Testament. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Where do you find the gospel of God, Baba? Which he promised beforehand through his prophets. Where? In the holy scriptures. Concerning his son Jesus Christ. Again, the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God and the scriptures. It's the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, you understand the gospel. Meditate upon the scriptures. You will see the cross in every place of the scripture. You see Christ or a type of Christ or a person in Christ or an overcomer in Christ. Christ, 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 all the way through scripture. So you understand the power of gospel. You understand the depth of the gospel. You understand the application, the wide range of application of the, of the gospel. You understand and you're able to do it only through the meditation of the scripture. For example, what is your name? Is what Moses asks him. He says, I am that I am. Then again, Moses asks, Lord, show me your glory. And then he says, the Lord comes down and declares his name. The glory is his name. Understand that. And when he declares his name, he shows us seven attributes of his name. Remember? What is his name? I am the Lord. Who, Lord your God, etc, etc. Uh, I forgive sin, etc. And I, what? Visit the iniquity. And I do not ever make the guilty righteous. I don't, I don't ever justify. I'm not, I'm just paraphrasing. He's saying, in that name, there is both the severity of God and the goodness of God. So you need both. And if you see the declaration of God's name is the declaration of the gospel and the, and the, and the, and the cross everywhere. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We know these, these verses very well. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You see that? 
Therefore, what should we do? What should we do? 1711. Okay. This is the Jews in Berea. These were, Acts 1711, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and what did they do? Search the scriptures. When? Daily. Whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. And also, not a few of the Greeks, prominent. So you have, why do we err? We err, first reason we err is because we do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. So what, so one, one aspect is that power of God, we need to know the scriptures. Okay. The second aspect of that, we, sh- we, we need to know the power of God. But, but, but before we receive the power of God, we need to know why are we given the power of God. The reason why we are given the power of God is so that we obey the scriptures. What, why are we given the, uh, the, the power of God? To obey. That is the second part today. Let's read this together. Obedience keeps me from self-deception. Because how do I escape deception? It is from obedience. Obedience keeps me from self-deception. So let us read a few verses from the book of uh, the the epistle of James, the epistle written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is what he has to say. James chapter 1, verse 21 onwards. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And KJV, one phrase which I will never forget in my life. The superfluity of naughtiness. Okay. Whenever I read the book of James, one verse, one word I will never forget. One phrase I will never forget is the superfluity of naughtiness, which you you will not find this phrase anywhere in the Bible. Okay. One, only once you will find it. And that is where in the book of James. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Okay, goes on. And be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Or otherwise, you will deceive yourself. I mean, this, you should see, you know what, every word in this is like laden with meaning. We just, I just wanted to show certain things which I discovered and I'm, I hope that will excite you too. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. Notice that it doesn't say man. It only says man. It doesn't say human being. Okay. Just keep, that is just to keep you, I mean, keep you occupied and, 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 and keep thinking on this particular passage. Okay. And then, but he who looks, it doesn't say he or she doesn't say, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the first thing he says, how do we overcome self-deception? The person who can deceive himself, I mean, who, who can get deceived is a person who doesn't know anything about himself. That is the reason why the heart is deceitful above all things. Whose heart? My heart, you should say. Everybody is above. That is very... You see, see, this is the problem, you see. (laughs) Everybody's heart. My heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, I cannot know it. Who can know it is the question. I cannot know it. My wife also does not know it. My pastor also cannot know it. Maybe he has bits and pieces of a little bit of information here and there based upon certain behavior patterns over a, observed over a period of time. But, can you imagine three and a half years you walked with Jesus? At the end of three and a half years, you could betray him. 
That's crazy. Just be very careful. The capacity. The person who is deceived is a person who thinks that he'll never can, he never can be deceived. I can be deceived. Because my heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. I cannot know it. That is the reason why we need a mirror. The mirror. So first, how do you escape from self-deception? He says you should be a doer. What should you be? A doer. Now, you know, it's very interesting. The word for doer in the Greek, to be a poet. Okay, what is that? I'll tell you why. That is important. Okay, why? You know why? Because it says we are God's workmanship. What are we? Ah, we are God's poema. <laughs> we are God's poema created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Alright, let's move on. The first thing, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, the first lesson you need to know is that you have to be intentional in obeying. This is what I wrote. Okay, from study from different men of God, uh, studying this particular passage. Be a creditor and not an auditor. Now, what is this credited auditor business? I'll tell you, this is not bank account. I will tell you in the, con- in the context of a university. When the semester starts, all students are supposed to register for courses. Okay, There are certain courses in universities which you can take it on credit and certain courses in universities which you can take it on not credit but on audit. Like for example, Udemy is there. You want to become a data science engineer. So, if you want to become a data science engineer, really a data science engineer, what you should do essentially, because many software software engineers over here, and who are doing courses online, you have to go through every lecture. You have to commit yourself to answering every quiz. Go through every assignment. Go through every midterm. Go through the end semester exam and get a grade and get a certificate. That is crediting. There are certain people who say, sir, can I audit your course? What is this audit? He will come and give his darshan. He will sit in the class. And he will say, Sir, I want you to attract me and show me the fantasticness of this course so that I, one day I can come and work in your lab. So, you have to entertain me. You have to make me feel interested in the course. What will you do? I will come and attend your lectures. Will you do an assignment? No. Will you perform the quiz? No. Will you attend the midterm exam? No. Will you do the tests? No. But what do you want me to do? Audit the course. You know, one of the things that I hate when my students come to me and say, can I audit your course? I say, no audit. No audit. Only credit. Okay. The problem with auditing is, you think because you have come to the class and you heard the lectures, you think that you know the subject. But the problem is, you do not know anything. And the problem is, you are deceived into thinking that you know when you know that you don't know. <laughs> Give a problem. Will you, be able to, will you be able to solve it? That's the problem with auditing. And I'm telling you, there are universities with a lot of auditors and not creditors. Christendom is full of auditors. Oh, they come for every Bible study, every pastor's conference, every every fasting prayer. 
worship meeting and you may be deceived into thinking because you are a hearer of the word that you are escaping deception. You see, the first century church was not interested in auditors. Only creditors. How many auditors <laughs> in the body of Christ today? Oh, I want. This, this is exactly how professors also float courses in universities. You know, they float a course and they attract students. And when they, because the student, I mean, the, the, the lecturer inspires them with a with a with a lecture, they come to the lab into thinking that they can become a fantastic roboticist now. That's how many of my students came to me. <laughs> I floated a course, I mean, because I was a rookie and nobody was working with me. So I floated a course called Introduction to Robotics. All I wanted all the postgraduate students and the higher grade students to take the course so that they can come and work with me in my lab. Fifteen students came, came to my lab, no, came to the class and one student came and worked with me. Only one out of fifteen. And he pestered me, sir, I want to work with you. I want to work. I said, chai, 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 go, 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 go. But he, he kept, kept on, kept on. And you know what, something? That guy came and he worked he had a journal paper along with me. Only one. So, we need, people are serious. Okay, so look at the old church, I mean the first, the first century church, they were not interested in auditors at all. Look at what this says. It says, in Acts chapter 2 verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to, the, uh, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we? Ah, now we heard. What should we do? Look at what it says. It says, go through the entrance exam <laughs> and come to the course. Look at what it says. And many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word, what did they do? They were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added into the kingdom. And they what? Look at this. Continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the teach and the and the breaking of bread and fellowship and prayers, etc. So the first thing, don't be an auditor, be a creditor who credits the course, who's intentional, who's serious. I mean, uh, I think the last day of the of the revival meeting, Pastor was saying something. You know, I, mean, I was listening to his uh, the, to the message. It was three days of powerful. I'm telling you, I was really, really uh, touched and encouraged and really ex- uh, edified through the three days of three days of of revival, revival meetings. Honestly, I needed the revival. Okay, more than anything else, uh, I felt that I was really refreshed and revived. And one of the things he, he was mentioning, and when I was listening to him, the thing that God spoke into my spirit was, Vijay, God is serious. Are so? Are you serious? And even as I was thinking like that, Pastor said, God is very, very serious about you. I hope you are serious about him. Yeah, he's serious. So you have to be intentional. You have to give yourself over. That is the reason why it says, who are those people who are, who are, who are able to escape and be, be delivered from the power of sin? Those people who have been given over to the doctrine, it says. They've handed them, themselves over to the doctrine, doctrine, meaning the doctrine controls their life and makes every decision for them. They do it. They just don't hear it. First Timothy chapter 4, do not neglect, verse 14 and 15, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands 
of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Look at this. Next verse. Next phrase. Give yourself entirely full-hearted, full-throttle. Gas on, I mean, the, your, your, uh, your foot on the accelerator, full throttle. I'm going all the way. Give yourself entirely to them. That your pre- progress may be evident to all. So what happens after you finish a particular semester? You get what, what you call as a progress card. Okay. What is the grade at you? So, so think about it, no? Just think about a doctor. <coughs> MBBS from so-and-so's university. Will he put his mark sheet on the, on the, on the, yeah, on the signboard? Will he say, will he put his mark sheet anatomy, just pass? Yeah. <laughs> okay. In this, this, this so and so, so and so subject, I got 50 marks. Uh, what did you do? Your anatomy just passed. Actually, I failed twice, but in the third time, I only passed. I was high. It was my backlog. Your anatomy subject is so weak, and you are expecting me to commit my anatomy to you. Will you commit your anatomy? So what is he, what is saying? Give yourselves completely to it, and you know what? Your progress will be evident to all. Okay, now I can go to Vijay. He knows what he's talking about. I can see his life. I can see. He doesn't just know what it is to be a father. He he is a father. He doesn't know what it is to be a husband. He is that kind of a husband that God wants him to be. He doesn't know just what it is to be a brother. He is that kind of a brother in the church. It's evident. And what, why it has happened? It has happened because he is what? Completely given himself. Entirely, not half. He is a creditor. I am going to do every assignment. I am going to do every problem. I am going to do everything. Whatever it takes. Only those people who give themselves complete to the work of God will get grace. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something, no? I remember when I was doing the, my first year PhD, we had a course called Linear Algebra. Linear Algebra, Linear Systems. Fundamental course, but it's also very difficult. When I mean, you do it at a graduate level, it's very difficult. The first semester, first midterm exam, Indian students and non-Chinese students got 60 or 70 out of 100. 50 out of 60 or 100. And the Chinese students were like, what, 94, 96, 97? And the professor was like, oh. he looked at this this discrepancy and he says, you know what? I'm giving 20 marks grace for everybody who got less than 50. Because he wanted to ensure that we don't get discouraged. Now the problem is, I was so upset with that. I said, how these Chinese fellows are able to Get this thing, no? I'm telling you something. You should see how intentional they are. They have a network of Chinese students. They have old question papers and all the answers. So they have the entire data. They are fantastic stealers of data. Okay. And the and the and the problem is, you fellow are dependent now entirely upon the mercy of the Chinese. So next semester, next examiners, I told my friend, Janardhan Vedantam, follows another Indian student with me. He said, Macha, we have to get these things. We should know the secret. Are we so dumb than these guys? They are getting 94, 95, and we are getting 60? What is this? And then we got to know the secret. And I told him, Macha, go and ask him for all the assignments. And he, made, he befriended a Chinese student. And slowly he got all the data. Next exam. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you see, next exam. 100 only. <laughs> 100 only. 
I have that in my in my in my in my file. I never want to <laughs> miss that. It's a remember. It's a remembrance for me. Okay, this is my because this is how the Chinese beat me. I'm not. I'm gonna beat them. How did I beat them? By copying what they did. Okay. Anyway, so I was intentional. Intentional. At the end of the semester, I got an A. My GPA was four. All A's. All A's. And I got a scholarship. Progress was evident to all. You see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Progress has to be evident to all. And when does when is a progress evident to all? Only when you are intentional. And when you do it, today I heard this, I want to put it to practice. This is what it what Pastor said, I want to do it. This is what he said, get up early in the morning and pray regularly. This is what I want to do. I want to do it. I want to spend time secret secret time in prayer, crying out to God. I want to do it. Do those little little things over and over and over again, and your progress will be what? Evident to all. Amen. Very difficult to say amen. <laughs> so let's move on. Look at this next one. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man. He is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. So the next lesson I learned from here is be a woman and not a man. Be a woman. No, it's very interesting. It is very interesting in this particular passage in the Bible. It's He doesn't use a de- general term for human beings called anthropos. Anthropos means all human beings. Male and female. He uses the word aner, which means man. And why man? I'll tell you why. The other day, Justin and I were just sitting uh, across the uh, on the sofa and we were talking. And she looked at my beard over here. He said, you didn't shave properly over here. I said, yeah, did I? Oh, is it? I, didn't, I didn't see myself. Okay. You know what men do, right? How do they look themselves in the mirror? Do they spend a lot of time in the mirror? Gone. Gone. Okay. How do women spend time in the mirror? Mm-hmm. The colors have to match. The nail polish also has to match. And on the nail polish, black nail polish with that grey color tinge has to be there. Boy, such intricate detail. One man of God said, if the women in the church give up their mirrors, then it is revival. <laughs> that is Irvin Luther's statement. Be a woman and not a man. I mean, only honestly, till I came to church, my my pastor was my mirror. Vijay, what is this contrast magic, Ray? What is this? Pastor, I thought it was okay. As long as it is ironed. Because I was used to non-ironed ironed, uh, shirts. Okay. I'm kind of presentable. I'm okay. For women, matching. Be a woman and not a man. Look at what it says, James chapter 1. What does he do? He is like a man observing himself in a mirror, observes himself. Okay, what does he see? Observing is what? What does he look at? natural face. It's very interesting. Natural face. You know what it, what it means is this. The word of God comes and it shows you what you are. This is what you are, Vijay. 
very very unorganized indisciplined not very uh, orderly etc this is what it shows and what do you look at in the mirror is you look at the natural face what do you look at you do not look at the person who is made in the image of god image of god who's recreated in the image of god you do not see yourself as if you are a person in christ and not outside christ what do you see you see the natural person and so what do you say pastor i'm a scientist what am i doing justification this is how all scientists are naturally what is it naturally see i have been brought up in a dysfunctional family it is in my genes to be like this what are you beholding natural the other part which says the perfect law of liberty will come to that later on what do i see what do i see i am this is my upbringing this is a i am a product of my circumstances i have the homo what is that homosexual gene in inside of me a lot of people say i have that gene it's been it is it is there in, inside of my nature i cannot help myself so what happens he observes himself immediately forgets so 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 be a man be a woman so be, in meaning what he immediately forgets he looks at it and he says ah it's i'm just like this let's move on it's okay everybody is like this you know you, you uh, you're you're actually you're not very honest about money ah everybody is dishonest with money come on who can we show me one man who's honest about money what do you see you see the natural face he is like a man that is the reason why it's very interesting that in the making of the tabernacle in the making of the tabernacle notice this in the making of the tabernacle the first thing that you have is the bronze altar you enter into the tabernacle you you turn your back towards the gods of egypt and you enter into the tabernacle and the first piece that confronts you is the bronze altar and what are you supposed to do on the bronze altar you have to offer a sacrifice for your sins and yourself on the altar saying that you know what i am intentional lord i am intentional here am i apadamastakam nikankitam meaning from the head to toe i have surrendered myself completely to your will is a first stage is a first stage and then when you cross the 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 altar the bronze altar what confronts you before you enter into the holy place is the bronze laver with water where the priests are supposed to wash their hands and their feet whenever they enter to uh, enter into the holy place to minister you know how those how the how that bronze laver is made ah oh, it's very interesting exodus chapter 38 was 8 this is bethsel bethsel He made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So, a lot of uh, serving women were there. What did they have? They had bronze mirrors. That's all I said. You know why we should use the mirror? I know, I know. You ladies are very good at mirrors because, honestly, you know, what is the one thing that you find in a lady's purse for sure? 
Oh, you don't have it. Okay, Justin, I, Justin had it. Okay, I, thought, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> the first thing I should say, oh, your mirror wallet has to be with mirror only, no? Right, flip, and then you have mirror. Okay, I'll tell you. This mirror is for a particular use. Bring that here. Bring that here. All he collected, all the bronze mirrors. That's what I tell you, right? When the women give up their mirrors, there is what? Tabernacle. <laughs> there is just not revival. The presence of God is going to come now. You see? So what did they do? They gave up all their bronze mirrors. And you know, Batsalel was given the spirit of wisdom, the wisdom of God, the anointing of God. You know what he did? He made a bronze lever, a big mirror so that every man who wants to enter into the holy holy place before he ministers to the Lord has to see himself in the mirror, see what he is and he has to wash himself and see that he is a man who's got unclean hands and a divided heart. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then enter into the holy place. You know what it is called in the KJV? Looking glasses. I like that. Looking glasses. Looking glasses. You know the word for looking glass, again, it's translated as vision in the Bible. Meaning you have a vision of who you are in the sight of God. In the standards of God. This is the standards of God. This is how God is. And when you look at the mirror, in the, based upon comparing yourself in the standards of what God requires of you, you say, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Cleanse me, O oh Lord. I need a cleansing. Even today, I need a cleansing. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 10 verse 8 when he sees this vision, another looking glass, the vision of God. Daniel chapter 10 verse 8. Therefore I was left alone. Everybody say, I was left alone. I will be left alone. You know, let me tell you something. It is only when you are left alone with God. On this side of eternity, God is very good, very, very gracious. Even as I'm preaching, you know what is happening? Private classes are happening. One to one. Because you know your heart. and God knows your heart. I know my heart. God knows my heart. So he says, Vijay, before everybody knows on that judgment day, set it right now. That day will not be no longer private class. It will be what? Public class. Now it is only private tuition. Even, even as you have come as a group, it is still not public tuition, mama. It is private tuition only. Why do we go for tuition? Those days, if you go to tuition... They should look down upon you. They should look down upon you. See, you're going to tuition. That means you should have been a waste fellow. Tuition bolotho is a muddu only. Muddu. Oh, for you, you they need a tuition. Ah, oh, tuition. Ah, tuition. But of course, nowadays it's completely changed. Now we need personal attention. It is not tuition. Hmm, personal attention, personal tutor. So look at what it says. Therefore, I was left alone and I saw this great vision. Meaning I looked at myself in the light of who God is. You know what it says? And there remained no strength in me. Why? Because my comeliness, my beauty was turned in me into corruption. I looked at the vision of God and I saw myself and I said, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips. Unclean. Unclean. Shows you. I'm telling you something. You read the word of God. What will happen sooner than later? The word of God will begin to read you. And I think Derek Prince made this powerful statement. He says, 
either the word of God will keep you from sinning or sinning will, will keep you from the word of God. You choose. You choose. The vision. He was left alone. We need to have alone moments with God. Every day. Every day he has to say, this is the problem. Change, 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 change. First Samuel chapter 3. This is a prophetic vision which comes to Samuel about Eli. This is what it says. So Samuel lay down until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. There's a mirror. Again, the looking glass. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. Just imagine as if he's going to obey now. Is he going to obey? No. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he has said to you. Tell me, pastor. Tell me, tell me, tell me. What do you think that the Lord is telling you about me? Hide nothing from me, pastor. And Samuel told him everything and hid. Nothing from me. You asked it. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Is there one, one, one element of remorse somewhere? Repentance? Contrition? Nothing. Nothing. So first thing, look intently at yourself. Spend time with the world. Don't have a false mirror. Go to gym, you will have what we, what we call as false mirror. Every time you go to the gym, the, the, the belly is always thin only. It's called long mirror. False mirror. But the mirror of God's word will show you exactly who you are. But don't look at the natural face and say, oh, this is my nature, you know. I can't help it. I can't help but be what I am. Huh, but I, what I am. Naturally. Second thing, what we need to do is, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the word. Your reception has to be this way. What you should do is remove the pretense. What should we do? Remove the pretense, the covering that we have. Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now what happens next verse? Now Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments. He's hiding himself with filthy garments, but the garments are filthy. Remember Bartimaeus? What does he do first when Jesus calls him? He gets up and what does he do? He takes away those garments and he throws them aside and he goes just as he is to Jesus. And says, Jesus says, what do you want? Hmm, I want my vision back. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. You see, we don't want this examination. We want God to just cover us. But God examines us and shows us who we are first 
and then he covers us. I'll give you an example. Second Kings chapter 5. <clears throat> this is, of course, the story of Naaman. We know it very well. Very interesting uh, set of verses uh, that you will see. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Go and wash. If you are not a doer, you will deceive yourself. So, Mama is very upset now. He's having, he's not going to do it. Look at what he says. Verse 11. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand where? Over the place. It's very interesting in the book of Leviticus if you read. The guy who has got uh, leprosy in some parts and when the priest observes it, what should he declare him as? Unclean. Now, if the leprosy is from head to toe, what should he pronounce him as? I mean, it's very interesting. No? <laughs> How the word, the word of God is very interesting. If you have leprosy only in one part, you are unclean. If you acknowledge that from head to toe you are leprous, you are clean. So what is Naman saying? Come and just touch my leprous part and I will... You know what you should actually acknowledge, Naman? There is nothing good in me. But you know what? Naman is so upset. There are self-justifying arguments. The first thing you need to do, deal with all self-justifying arguments. Deal with all self-justifying arguments. You know what? Naman's argument is this. Are there not Abana and Parafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? All are rhetorical questions. If that were the case, why did he come? So he turned and went away in a rage. That is the reason why. Be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to get angry. Why? Because the anger of man or the rage of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Just very angry and very upset. Look at his arguments. Abana and Parafar. It's very interesting. You know what the word for Abana means? Stones. Parafar means swift. What do I need? I need a quick solution to my problem. Whatever works. Abana means stones, different standards. You know what God says? There is only one stone. What is that stone? The perfect stone. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1. Dishonored scales, dishonored, dishonored scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight, the word for weight is what? A perfect stone is his delight. And who is that perfect stone? Jesus. But the problem is, many people have this problem. Do not have two differing weights in your bag. One heavy, one light. That's exactly what a lot of people, you know. For themselves, lightweight. For others, heavyweight. Okay. Heavyweight for this person. For themselves, oh, light. No, um, after all, you know, we're all sinners. I am a, you know, I am, I am almighty. Uh, he is almighty. I am almighty. You know, uh, what is it? He is almighty. I am almighty. After all, you know, we are all sinners. Very lightweight for that person. No, 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 no. Especially for pastor. Oh, pastor, then your standards are very high. But what about you? Ah, it's okay. You know, <laughs> I'm only a lamb. He's a shepherd. 
I can go astray because lambs go astray. It's amazing how people have incredible arguments as to why they don't want to obey. It is very interesting. You know, the word for actually uh, deception is paralogizomai, meaning what? Arguments which come parallelly and cancel out all the truth that God is speaking to you. I mean, I, 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 very interesting word. The pastor was talking about last Sunday. He said, "You know what? You have a lot of faith, you fellows." He said, hmm? "And not such intense, intense words, but that is for me when I was speaking." But on the problem is, all your faith is cancelled by fear. <laughs> I just put my head like this and I said, "Lord, what is this?" All your faith is cancelled by fear. Meaning you have faith which comes, there's arguments of faith. You know what happens? The fear comes and cancels all those arguments. Counter arguments. And one of the biggest counter arguments is fear. What will people say? What will people think? That is the reason why the Bible says many of the Jews believed when Jesus started speaking, but they did not confess. Why? Because they wanted the approval that comes from men, but not the approval that comes from God. Who's their mirror? Not Jesus. Other Pharisees. You need to have strong arguments. Strong arguments to counter the assault that comes into your mind. Not to justify your sin. I'll show you an argument. Genesis chapter 39. And it came to pass after these things that, the, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. And look at the argument as to why Joseph is refusing. He's articulating his arguments. You need to have these arguments. Look at what he says in verses 8 onwards. But he refused and said to his master, master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in this house. First thing. He doesn't know. He has committed all these things into my hand. He trusts me implicitly. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. There are boundaries. Yes, God has given me a lot of things, but there are boundaries that God has placed me under. I should never cross those boundaries. And you know what he says? Because you are his wife. How can then I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Against God. Arguments against him. Not to justify, but to obey. What does it say? Daniel purposed in his heart. Why? Not to defile himself. Why? Why? What is the argument? The argument is this. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make me get used to this rich lifestyle. Okay. But this is not permanent. Now think about it now. You are a software engineer. Okay. Let's say your salary is 1 lakh per month. God calls you into full-time ministry. Okay. Now while you are a software engineer, you were used to a fantastic life, lavish lifestyle. Not one car. Roti, kapada, makan. Dogadi, yes. One for me, one for one for my wife. That's exactly how it is now. If you go to, go to Kachiboli, every apartment has two parking lots now. One for me and one for my wife. Okay. Suddenly, from that lifestyle, you're you're given what coupons? Sodexo coupons. Oh, Sodexo coupons. You go to the more supermarket, chak 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 chak. You don't even have to give money. So all these dainties, and if you go to work in Google, free food also. 
Okay. So what they do in this world, you know what they do? They get you used to a lavish lifestyle. And if you do not learn the art, yeah, Akila is laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you do not learn the art of denying yourself when you're a software engineer, and when God calls you to full-time ministry, you know what you're called to? Mm-hmm. You think you're, suddenly your bank account will increase? If your bank account doesn't go from 1 lakh to 0, then you're not called to full-time ministry, at least according to me. You have to learn. Don't get used. That is the reason why it says, when a ruler is set before you and he puts what nice food before you, what should you do? You should put a knife to your your neck. If you are a man given to gluttony, don't just eat. Ah, ah, ah. Because there is a method behind this madness. What will they do? They will get you used to this lavish lifestyle. And you know what happens? Compromise begins then. And you become the enemy of the cross. You know what Daniel said? I know where this is coming from. If I get used to this lavish lifestyle, one day it is going to take away from me and I will do anything for food. Tighten my belt. Argument. Do you have arguments against sin? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not. I like that word. What is that? Do not. War. Let me tell you, this is a war. We do not war according to the flesh, but for the weapons of our warfare are mighty, are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination, arguments will say, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself, that justifies yourself. Justify. Being ready to punish all disobedience. So you know what happens? Suddenly, those people will come and say, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you something great, would you not have done it? How small this thing. Just go and humble yourself. So then he opened up his, all his clothing. I mean, I don't think he went with, uh, into, the, into the water without, uh, with all his armor. No, I don't, I don't think so. He went into the water. He just stripped his clothing and he went into his water. And when he came out, it was clean. Absolutely clean. Get rid of all self-justifying arguments. When God comes and shows you who you are. So that it will not be hindrance for you doing what God wants you to do. Then, second part. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Did you read that carefully? Let's see once again, okay? When he looks into the perfect law of, of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer, what are we called? To do? Not the word. Of the work. You see, every time I read this passage, I was thinking it was doer of the word. What does it say? Doer of the work. That means, for every word that God says, there is a corresponding work. You, generation of vipers, 
who has asked you, who has warned you to feel from the wrath to come, etc. And suddenly the crowd comes and says, what shall we do? He who has two tunics, give away one. The tax collectors and say, come and say, what should we do? Correct only what you are supposed to collect. The soldiers come and say, ah, don't exhort, extort people. Don't threaten people. And be content with your with their salary. That same problem for Takshavgabhatas from that time till this time. They are not content with their salaries. Okay. See, there's a work. Zacchaeus, today I want to come and stay in your house. He heard the word. And what did he do? Lord, half my wealth I give it to the poor. And if I have taken anything by false accusation, I give back how many times? Fourfold. There is a work. There is a corresponding work. There is a word. And there is a corresponding work. What should I do to gain eternal life? Do one thing. Only one thing you lack. Sell everything that you have. You will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. That one thing you don't ask me. In Telugu, ahokati adakku. Just one thing. Don't ask me. That one thing. This is a work. So what is it? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Look at this. It's very interesting, isn't it? That person who is a forgetful hearer, what he looks? He looks at a natural man. And what does the other person look? He looks at the perfect law of liberty. The question is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? I want to show you something very interesting. Um, this is uh, found in John's Gospel chapter 10. And Jesus is quoting some, a parallel passage from the Old Testament. We looked at it in, in different contexts, even in, uh, in our last week study. Let us read that. John's Gospel chapter 10 verse 34 onwards. <clears throat> Jesus answered them, is, not, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods. Notice that very carefully. Is it not written in your, what is that? Law. Where is it written in the law? Yeah, exactly. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. So two things are used. Word of God and scripture. And he called them gods to whom the what came? The word of God came. And you are gods, right? And it is written in your law. So several things mentioned over here. And let us look at what Psalm 82 actually says. I said you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Now, if you look at the entire Psalms, you know what God is actually saying? Jesus is saying, it says in your law. And therefore, what is he actually saying? Psalms are nothing but what? Law. So when you read the Psalms, what are you reading? You're reading the laws of God. And one of the first laws, I mean, if you look at the first Psalm, what does it say? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight. So first thing he says, if you really want to be blessed, there's a lot of counsel around. What is that counsel? Ungodly counsel. There are a lot of ways to do, to get things done in, in this world. What is that? The way of sinners. And there are a lot of mockers. And what is it? It is called the seat of the mockers. So what should you do? You should not associate them, yourself uh, with them. But what, is the, what, is, what should you do? You should delight yourself in the law of the Lord and you should meditate. Only then will you get what? Blessing. 
You get the word? Blessing. So if you are blessed, when you delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate upon the word of God and you do not uh, take the counsel of the ungodly, the way of sinners and the seed of the scornful, if that is a law, if you do not obey this law, what are you? You're cursed. Only those people who delight themselves in the law of the Lord and meditate upon this will be blessed. It's not spiritual law. In other words, if you want to be really successful in God's ways, what is it? The first law is meditate upon his word. Just not meditate upon his word. First delight in his word. You know what he says? David says, how I love your law. How I love your law. It is my meditation. How long? All day. How I love your law. You see, your relationship, the word of God will ultimately determine your relationship with God. How you love God's word will tell you how much you love God. If you love him, you will keep his commands. You see, that is the law. So, one of the things, you, you when you read the Bible now, even when you read Psalms, there are several, several spiritual laws. Everything is a law. The ungodly shall not stand in judgment. Not sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Why? The Lord knows the way of the ungodly, but the, I mean, of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's a law. So, what is it? Every time you read the word of God, it is a law. I mean, and this is essentially, they are all spiritual laws. So, when you read the Bible, you take principles, you get the principle as to how you live. Everything is a law. So, if it is a law, how do you behave? How do you live? How do you see yourself? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse uh, 1 onwards. And I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able to, for you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like what? Mere men. You say, I'm not able to teach you. Why? They got the law, but they were behaving like mere men. And that is the reason why he tells the Corinthian church, because you take part of the, the bread of the, the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner, many of you are what? Weak. Many of you are sick and many of you are what? Fallen asleep. You're dead. Because you don't understand that there are spiritual laws which are working against you because you don't understand that everything is a law. It is what? It is a law. It is, there is a law. See, just because you came into Christ, it doesn't make you lawless. No. Ultimately, Jesus says, I do not know you, you workers of what? Lawlessness. You don't have any law. There is a law. And that is the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? That you should bear one another's burdens and you love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you have fulfilled the law. And what is the law? Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not do this. Thou shall not do this. This is a law. There are principles. So how do you see yourself? 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this, everybody, carefully. Don't get distracted. Whoever has been born of God, what does he not do? Does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay. So how do you see yourself? I don't see myself as a mere man. I, I see myself as a person who is born again in Christ, who has got the incorruptible seed and that incorruptible, 
corruptible seed which is born of God cannot sin. It cannot sin. It cannot sin. That is, that is a remarkable statement. That incorruptible seed which is born of God cannot sin. Not only that, that incorruptible seed loves the standards of God. What does it do? It loves the standards of God. I'll show you. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at what it says in verse 23 onwards. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the, what? Glory of man is as a flower of grass. Now, what is the glory of man? The standards of man. The glory of man and this are the standards of man. The word for glory comes from the uh, Greek word doxa, which means opinion, or the standards. The standards of God and the standards of man. The standards of God are, um, of God, are, I'm sorry, of man are absolutely movable. They keep on changing. But the standards of God are un- unmovable. So how do I see myself in Christ? I see, I, I see, how do I see myself? I see uh, myself as a person in Christ who has been clothed by the righteousness of Jesus and who has been declared, what, not guilty by the highest court. Okay, let me give you an example. So that you'll understand this principle. Joseph is a type of Christ and of a believer in Christ. Okay. What was he accused of by Potiphar's wife? He outraged my modesty, to put it in uh, simple terms, okay, much more acceptable terms. Okay, he outraged my modesty. Now he's put in prison. 13 years in prison. After 13 years in prison, he's called out. And he tells the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Now, Pharaoh exalts himself, I mean, exalts uh, uh, jo- Joseph to the status of what? Prime Minister of Egypt. All these years of 13 years in the prison, do you think Potiphar's wife changed her opinion? No. No. She did not change. She kept on saying, that Hebrew, that Hebrew, that Hebrew. He outraged my modesty, outraged my modesty, etc. Now, suddenly... The highest court in, e- in Egypt declared Joseph as the prime minister. Okay. Now, Potiphar's wife's opinion about Joseph. Has it changed? Does it matter? The point is that. Even if she says, you know what? He is a prime minister of Egypt. But you know what he did? Outrage my modesty. Hey, shut your mouth. Right? If you want food. Don't even say anything about him now. You'll get me into trouble. Even Pharaoh's son has to go and beg. See, once God has exalted you, whatever people think about you, whether it is true or not, doesn't matter. Okay. Oh, you do not know what he did to me. Doesn't matter. All eternity in hell, she might be saying, he outraged my modesty, he outraged my modesty, he outraged my modesty. It's not going to matter. Outraged my modesty is not going to matter. You know why? Because the highest court has declared you not guilty. That is the motivation. All flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is what? The flower of grass. It fades away. And actually, what does it fade away? In the light of eternity, it doesn't even matter. So, What people think about you and not think about you, will it matter? That is the reason why it says, if God be for us, 
who can then, who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not with him freely give us all things first thing who can bring what any charge against god's elect it is god who justifies who is it to condemn it is Christ who died for your sins. Not only died, he was raised from the dead and he seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and saying, Father, Father, look at me, forgive him. Look at me, forgive him. Look at him, look at me, forgive him. He is clothed in the righteousness, clothed in the righteousness, clothed in the righteousness. That is what, how you have to look at, look, look, look at yourself in the mirror. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. A man who has not even got the desire to sin because he is born of God. Not that you don't sin, but he's born of God. That seed which is born of God cannot sin. You see, what people think about you right now, it could be right, it may not be right. But you do what God wants you to do. And one day God is going to exalt you into one position and what they think about you, whether it is true or not, is not going to even matter. Because if God, when God calls you righteous, you are righteous. If you are prime minister of Egypt, you will be prime minister of Egypt. Simple. That's it. It's over. Nobody can say anything to you. Understand this. Okay? Keep that in mind. But the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. How do you see yourself? See yourself in Christ. A man who loves the law. This new man who is born of God. You know what Paul says? This man who is born of God, I delight after the law according to my inner man, he says. I delight in the law. But there is an outer man, the old man, who resists the law. It says the old man, the flesh, cannot submit itself to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. So therefore, whose mind is set on the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but are of the spirit. My dear brothers, he says, your debtors no longer to the flesh. Your debtors only to the spirit. You, How do you see yourself? A man, first of all, a man or a woman who is created in Christ Jesus. Perfect. There is therefore, when now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is where we start. Otherwise, you know what will happen? The standards of God is going to make us miserable. We will not delight. Once we are born again, we have been justified. You know what? The standards of God will start attracting us. And we want to love him now. We want to please him. That desire is there inside each one of us. We want to please God. First, therefore, what do you do? When you look at the mirror, you look at the perfect law of liberty. Why is it the perfect law of liberty? Because in Christ Jesus, everything has been fulfilled. First thing, understand that. Then, the second part. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 onwards. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Christ Jesus is that you put off concerning your former conduct. What? The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of the mind of your mind that you put on the new man which was created in Christ Jesus in true righteousness and holiness. So what do you do? Every time God shows you, what do you do? Take it off. Put off the old man and put on. How do you do that? Replacing the lies that is there in your mind by the truth of the word of God. That is the reason why we keep on coming to the ministry of the word of God. Why? So that God can continuously replace the lies that are in our minds by the truth of the word of God. And it becomes attractive to us. You know why? Because we are created in Christ Jesus. And that old seed, the seed, not the old seed, the seed of God is inside of our heart. We are born again of the spirit. And what, what, that, what does that spirit, that born again uh, seed do? It delights in the law of God. It wants to. Uh, overcome sin. In fact, that that seed cannot sin. 
and it compels you. I mean, it, it, it says, you know, by, by love, because if you love me, you will keep his commandments. Second, third thing, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Look at what it says in verse, from verse 16 onwards. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What is this liberty? What is liberty? Liberty is this, no? For example, you, have you seen a cricket bat, everybody? You have seen a cricket bat, no? Just imagine, I use, what, what should I use a cricket bat for? For playing cricket, right? I take the cricket bat and I use it as a hammer in my house. Am I using or abusing? Okay. So the cricket bat is free only when it is used for the purpose for which it is made. Okay. What happens when we are created in Christ Jesus? We are created as in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has already prepared beforehand. Okay. So now what happens? That person is actually free meaning what? When he starts obeying the truth, he experiences more and more freedom. He understands that this is my use and he enjoys himself. Okay, let me let me give you an example. Okay, I have several students in my class. One student, I don't think he loves math. Okay, he hates it. Honestly, he hates it because his mother has constantly kept on saying, "I hate math. I hate math. I hate math." And so this fellow says, "Sir, I'm good at everything but except math." He hates it. I cannot make him do do it. So if I'm, I don't think. I mean, at least at, as of now, I'm hoping that something will change. Okay, then suddenly he'll become an Einstein. I hope so, but as of now, I don't have such hopes. So I have to really struggle with him. Really struggle. Struggle because his mindset is not for math. Because I don't think he's made for it. He's made for something else. Maybe music or something else. But there are other students. Okay, when you tell them, chuck, 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 they'll start. When the moment they get a concept, you have to actually stop them from solving problems. You know why? Because they know this is what they are made for. And in fact, they become very free when they are doing mathematics. When you ask them to play, they will not play. This fellow is very free in doing something else. But when we ask him to do mathematics, he will not do it. It is a struggle. The new man, which is created in Christ Jesus, he is created to obey the law. So when he obeys the law, it is not a compulsion for him anymore. He is actually free. He enjoys it. Oh, next law, next law, next law. More problems, next law. Let me solve, let me solve, let me solve. This fellow will say, sir, when is it going to end? This also I should do. Why am I supposed to do this, sir? What is this problem, sir? Honestly, I think because in his, in his home, his mother says, I hate math. I tell you know people when they come to my home also, I don't care what you think about math, but don't come and tell my children I hate math. Okay, please, please, don't do it. Okay, I, I because I had one student, I mean, one child, child who came to my home and uh, Abigail was solving a problem. She said, Math, I hate. I said, Don't say that. Okay, because we don't know whether she still loves math or not. I know she's looking at me. She says, Papa, don't use my example. Okay, it's okay, baby. <laughs> but let me say, some people struggle because they do not enjoy it, because they're not made for it. But when people start doing things that they are made for, you know what happens? It's a delight. 
Even there is difficulty, they want to overcome. In actually, they love problem solving. Give me a challenge. I'm going to sit with it for 24 hours and I'm going to solve this problem. You know, for example, there's some coders, right? There's, so I know, uh, I know coders in my university. And he is going to go through the night and he's going to work and work and work and work 24 hours, 46 hours, 36 hours without coffee, 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 coffee. After, after he finishes the work, he comes and says, sir, I got a solution. And you should see after that, he has got more adrenaline rushing to his blood because it gives him a high. You know why? Because he's free to be a programmer. You and I are free. You know, when we are actually free, when you keep asking for more, when you keep asking for more, or only 24 exam problems today, I want to do more, more, more. That means you just don't go by the letter, you go by the, you just don't, don't go by the written, you go by the intention. Let me give an example and we'll stop. Genesis chapter 24. Okay. Perfect law of liberty. Hmm? Behold, here I stand by the well of the water and the daughters of I like that. The daughters of men of the city are coming to draw the water. You see, there is going to be one daughter of men and there is going to be one daughter of God. The daughter of men will only go through this by the letter. But the daughter of God will go by the spirit. And look at what Eliezer says. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give to your camels. What is the intention? That you should just not give me water, you should feed all my camels. Let her be the one you have appointed for your son, Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master, Eliezer, the picture of the Holy Spirit. And he's looking at all the daughters of men. How much you want? What do you want? What do you want? One, water, one glass of water, one glass of water. One glass of water, only for you, I'm going to feed your entire camels. You know what? She's going beyond now. Just not the written, but the intention also. Give me more. I delight in serving you. That is liberty. That is a perfect law of liberty. You know what? It all depends upon how you see yourself in Christ. Okay. If you see yourself as a man, you know what? My old nature, I'm like this. My fathers were like that. My great-grandfather was like that. I'm also like this. What does he do? He doesn't just go on the letter. He goes beyond the letter. He does the intent as well. That is the perfect law of liberty. It liberates you. You know, after that, once, you, once a student has come to that point, you know what? You can't stop him. That's it. It's a done deal. Okay. It's a done deal. Initially it is a struggle, but once he comes to that breakout break point, you can't stop him. He will go to the he will go to the bookstore and he will look be looking for problem solving puzzles. He'll be looking for all kinds of puzzles to solve. Why? Because he has come to the point and he knows his purpose. This is what I've made I've been made for, created for. Created in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that one verse once again. Now the Lord is a spirit and the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in the mirror what of the word of God now the glory of God. Now this, this glory is not going to destroy us. You know why? Because the very spirit of God is inside of us which will say you know what I'm going to help you to overcome this. I'm going to help you to meet these standards. Otherwise it's going to destroy us. 
I'll, I'll give you this one last example. No, I, show, I shared this example so many times. Hmm? When, we, when we were in the university, we had several people in our lab, more or less average and above our average crop in our lab. We were doing pretty well. And professor was happy. Next semester, one guy joined. This fellow was a mathematics Olympiad silver medalist. The moment he came into the lab, he was solving equations in the air. Okay, when we looked at him, our comeliness turned into corruption. And our righteousness was a filthy rags when we compared, when we compared ourselves to him. You know why? The mo- he used to solve problems like this. We used to get scared. Honestly, we used to get scared. But you know what? Just imagine that guy says, you know what, Vijay? We'll do one thing. I'm going to help you write your paper. Okay? We will send this paper to you. Don't put my name. Put your name. That's how I look at it. Okay? Because my life is all papers only, you know. Don't put mine. My name. Put your name. I'm going to help you solve this problem. Don't put my name. Put your name. That's exactly what Jesus comes and says. You know what? Through the Spirit of God, He comes and says, You know what? These are the standards of God. Fine, fine, fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm there to help you. Ultimately, you will do the work because you are made to do it and you will enjoy it. You will not just go beyond the letter, you'll go at the intent. And you know what happens when you start doing this? Nobody can stop you. Nobody can deceive you. Nobody can deceive you because you understood the heart of God now. Remember? At the, at the at the cave of Adullam, when D- David says, Oh, how I wish that someone could get me the waters of Bethlehem. That's all he said in his private. And who heard it? The three mighty men heard it. And you know what they did? They risked their lives, went to the camp of, uh, through the camp of Philistines, went to the Bethlehem, got the water and gave him back. You know why? Because they loved their master and no difficulty was Difficult for them because they loved him. And they overcame. They went beyond the letter. They went to the intention as well. That is obedience. That is the obedience of Christ. That is the obedience of Christ. And when you start doing it, the man, the spirit man inside of you says, you know what, I'm free now because I'm doing what I'm asked to do. This is what I'm born to do. This is what I'm doing, what I love to do. It's a perfect Law of liberty. You know what happens when you do this? You will never be deceived. You will keep yourself from deception for sure. Obedience, my dear brothers and sisters, will keep you from deception. Amen? Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Let's ask God. Lord, there are so many arguments in my mind which will say why you should, why you should not obey. So many justifications. Some people, my parents, Lord, my parents, Pastor, my parents, this is what my, my parents, uh, my, my upbringing, etc. Whatever your reason, there could be true. There could be painful experiences too. It's not a denial of that. But in God, we can do valiantly. Through our God, we can do valiantly. In Christ Jesus, we are, not just, we are just not conquerors. We are more than conquerors. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all. Havili, not with him, freely give us all things and the resources that we need to overcome every sin in our lives. Therefore, this morning, let us make a decision, Lord, an intention to know the scriptures, to know the God of the scriptures, to meditate upon the scriptures, to be intentional. Because there is an assault which is coming on everybody's mind. And to overcome that, it's absolutely important for each and every one of us, personally, to build our lives on the word of God. On the scriptures. Knowing the person of Jesus Christ. And that becomes even more easier when we hear and do what God wants us to do. We lay aside all arguments that hinders us from obeying. But we replace them with arguments which causes us to obey. And therefore this morning I pray Father that each and every one of us will become intentional. Intentional. That we will begin to love your law. So that it will not become a burden for us, Lord, to obey. It will be a delight. Even though it's difficult, even though we may struggle sometimes, but it is still a delight. Because in the inner man, we are born of God. And that seed which is born of God cannot sin. But it overcomes sin. And it overcomes every argument which tries to compromise us into sin. I pray, Father, that you would find here in each and every one of us the desire to study your word, to meditate upon your word. Show us parts of the scripture which we need to memorize according to the calling that we have. Through our action, O oh Lord, we will show to you that we are intentional. We are intentional. That you are serious about us. We want to be serious about you. About the word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The rest of the day, we commit ourselves to your kind hands. Enable us to continue in that attitude of meditation, contemplation. Father, not waste this time doing senseless things but spending it wisely in your presence so that if you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living, that you would that you would find us all on time in your house tomorrow, ready to listen to your word again. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we have Q&A in the evening. So if you still have questions, you can send all your questions to Pastor James. See you all at 6 o'clock online again.